Welcome to Your Partner in Success Radio, a program that values the potential of knowledge, collaboration, and growth. The show is hosted by Denise Griffiths, who is known as an intensely curious nerd in stilettos. Each Wednesday, she is joined by co-host Ben Gay III, a renowned figure in the sales world. Ben is recognized for introducing The Closers, one of the most popular and powerful sales training materials ever produced. Having been mentored by Dr. Napoleon Hill himself, Ben has gained a wealth of knowledge in sales and life. Throughout the show, Denise and Ben delve into the world of sales, entrepreneurship, and success, exploring Ben's vast experience from guiding and mentoring countless professionals to achieve unparalleled success in their careers. Together, they offer unmatched guidance to listeners seeking success in their professional endeavors. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another exciting episode of The Closers Inner Circle Podcast. Hosted by Denise Griffiths and Ben Gay III on Your Partner in Success Radio. Ben joins me each Wednesday for the Closers Inner Circle podcast, and that's important because we are discussing sales mastery. And in today's hyper-competitive business environment, understanding your competition is just as critical as knowing your own products and your own services. So we're going to explore why this knowledge is indispensable and how it can elevate your business. In this episode, we are opening up The Closers Part 2 to page 39, Cash In on Snafus. I love that title. And Ben is going to cover topics such as spotting trends and opportunities, setting attainable goals, crafting winning market strategies, perfecting pricing and values, fostering innovation, risk mitigation, and building strategic alliances. We talk about that one a lot. So embrace this wisdom from Ben Gay III, and your business will thrive in competitive markets. And be sure to ask Ben about his mentoring program. This is an idea that originated when he was mentored by Dr. Napoleon Hill and has finally come to fruition. Good morning, Ben. It's Wednesday. I love Wednesdays. <laughs> Do you? The only thing significant about Wednesday, I hear people talk about hump day, so I'm aware of it. But the really significant thing is Wednesday morning, I do it to get it out of the way, uh, for the Thursday garbage pickup. <laughs> so I I feel like I'm really accomplishing something. I, ours was yesterday, and I missed it, so now I feel bad. <laughs> oh, well. It'll come again on Friday. We Ours is Tuesdays and Fridays, which is really nice. So, Ben, what is up and fresh and new with you? Well, uh, we're uh, plunging on with several projects. Rex Sykes and I are about to uh, launch a mastermind-type group, and I'm doing the same thing with A.M. Williams and uh, a financial uh, expert named Lewis. And uh, uh, so I've got like three. I'm I'm up to my eyeballs in uh, mastermind groups now to the point I'm probably not going to take any for a while until one of these fades away because they really are. If you do a good job, they're time consuming. And uh, it's the same reason I only take 30 to 35 mentoring clients at any, at any one time. I say 30 to 35. Sometimes you've got people who take up a lot of time, which is fine. They're paying for it. 
But uh, when you got a bunch of those, the number drops down to 30 <laughs> or 25. And uh, if they're semi-normal people with normal needs, I've found I can go up to about 35. And that's what I love to do. I love helping people. I love sharing what I've learned over the years from all my wonderful mentors, many, many of whom are famous. And uh, Dr. Napoleon Hill, of course, always comes at the top of the list because he's probably the most famous of any of them and or the longest uh, lasting. Uh, Zig, uh, Zig Ziglar was famous and was a dear friend and worked for me and so on. But uh, Dr. Hill is at the top of the heap. And uh, I'd love to share. I, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but we we call my mentoring program Mentoring Dynamics. And the reason is when Dr. Hill came to work with us, uh, we already had two companies with dynamics in the name. Leadership Dynamics Institute was sort of a 1960s encounter group type thing for straight days, no sleep. Uh, we started Thursday morning, ended Sunday night. And in, in those four days, you didn't leave the room and you ate what was put in front of you. Uh, and then we had Mind Dynamics, which was a spinoff of Silva Mind Control. I say a spinoff. We uh, recruited their top instructor and uh, basically did at Mind Dynamics what the Silver Mind Institute was doing. And then Dr. Hill and I uh, were setting up mentoring dynamics. And uh, the theory was the, the uh, instructors, a train the trainer concept, would come out to California and spend, uh, I don't know, a week or 10 days with Dr. Hill and me and some of our other luminaries that were hanging around the building. But the purpose was to get certified, to be able to honestly say, you know, Dr. Hill's a friend of mine. I've worked with him. I'm certified uh, as a mentoring dynamics uh, instructor and so on. And then he died before we could launch it. So You uh, always sound so offended by every time I hear you say that, you just sound so miffed. Like, yeah. How can you do that? sort of aggravated me. Uh, yeah. How thoughtless of him uh, to die. But uh, it sat on the shelf of over 40 years. I didn't even use the word anywhere. And then somebody said to me, somebody who was scheduled to go and become a trainer said, are you ever going to do anything with that? That was great. That was the most exciting thing you'd ever done. So we revved it up again, minus Dr. Hill. And that's my mentoring program where uh, I try to do for people what Dr. Hill did for me. There's an old, I think it's Chinese, but it doesn't really make much difference. If, if you want to know what's down the road that you're traveling on, uh, if you want to know what's down there, talk to somebody who's coming back. And uh, Dr. Hill did that for me, and I try and do it for other people. I've been down there. I've I've crashed and burned and been at the heights and met kings and queens and uh, 
traveled all, all over the well not all over the world but because back in those days you didn't go to the soviet union uh or china or so on but of the semi-free world we were everywhere and i traveled over all of it thanks to those affiliations that i had with those wonderful people most of whom i was the kid i was 25 uh, when I became president of the big cosmetics company. And uh, just about that time, 27, I think, Dr. Hill came into my life. And he was old enough to be my great-grandfather, so uh, biologically. So, uh, and, and everybody else, for some mystical reason, was 12 years older than I was, William Penn Patrick. Uh, Zig was 18 years older, but most of them were 12 years older. So I was the kid. That's the good news. It's exciting. You get to learn from all these people. The bad news is they're uh, fading away. Uh, and I'm I'm the kid and still I'm an older kid, <laughs> but I'm the kid that uh, sort of got left behind when they all went to their just rewards. So I try and keep their memories alive because there were some really special people in those groups. Well, they're people that, and I've looked around and I've asked you, can you think of anybody else that had these people around them on a regular basis? And there's nobody. You were no. unique. No, yeah. I was in the catbird seat. Okay. Yeah, Holiday Magic Cosmetics was the largest multi-level direct sales company on the planet, the cosmetic company. And then we had subsidiaries, Motor Oil Additive Company and Bob Cummings Vitamins and so on, all had exactly the same marketing plan, only the product changed. So we had uh, not full-time employees, but independent distributors hovered after a we got running after a few years, hovered right around a million people at any given time. So if you wanted to be a big deal in speaking or motivational talks or what have you, you got up every morning, tried to plot and scheme how you could join us. That's where the action was. That's how we got Earl Nightingale to be the voice of the company, Dr. Hill to be my mentor, and dozens of other famous people. I have a little sheet I send out to somebody when I'm going to do a podcast. And I look down it sometimes and I think, wow. <laughs> yeah. You know, it happens gradually. So you're not, you don't wake up in the morning going, oh, I knew and worked with 50 famous people. But when you look at the list and, and it runs all the way from, Famous ministers, and Dr. Bob Schuler, Dr. Norma Vincent Peale, et cetera, et cetera, to the astronauts, and then all the way down to, and I don't like talking about dead people, but all the way down to Charlie Manson. He was at San Quentin when I was teaching my people builders course there. So I met with him three times in his cell. And of all the people that I met and talked with, he was probably the most riveting and fascinating. Uh, you know, Zig was a great guy, but I didn't sit and hang on every word and write it down. When I was with Charlie Manson, I paid strict attention to what he was saying because I was thinking, this is a one-time 
lifetime opportunity to see how crazy and evil somebody can really be. And uh, so anyway, it's it's been an interesting ride. Uh, as I've told you before, I answered an ad in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution Wednesday, September 15th, 1965. And all it said was, if you know anything about marketing plans and want to make more money, call this number. So I went into a phone booth on Peachtree Street, dialed the number, and I didn't know it. But when I was dialing in, and for our younger listeners, I do mean dialing in. Stick your finger in the hole. Like a real phone booth. Yeah, like a real phone. (laughs) Never see those. I saw a meme the other day that cracked me up. It's like these two kids, a cartoon, and these two kids were taking pictures of a defunct. It wasn't even a phone booth. It was one of those pillars that you know they had a phone on it, and they somebody asked them. I think, well, what is that? I don't know. It looks like it's an archaeological dig. They really didn't know what it was. Uh, okay, well, now, I, now I'm starting to feel my age, too. When I dialed in those numbers, I've always said I didn't know I was dialing in the launch code of a rocket ride I was about to go on. Because it, it was a very, we, we started succeeding after about six months. First six months were a little rough because I wouldn't listen to the training. I was too smart for that. Uh, but after I was told to do it the way they were doing it or don't come back anymore, uh, I knuckled down and did it their way, and it took off. We went for $100 a week. Of course, you got to adjust this for inflation. That'd be about 1000 a week now. But uh, we went. Jimmy Rucker and I went from about $100 a week working for my father to 40000 a month. Uh, in our, in our little cosmetic business, um, and uh, that would be about four hundred thousand a month in today's money. So it was really exciting, and uh, fortunately, I had been raised around money. I didn't have any, but my mother and father had done well. We belonged to the nicest country club in Atlanta. Uh, they did. I got to visit. <laughs> But uh, I was raised around success. So my comfort zone was set pretty high. I was used to having lunch with the chairman of the board of Coca-Cola, whoever that was at the time, because a membership in East Lake Country Club came along with it. Yeah. And a lot of other movers and shakers in the southeastern United States. So I went off the rails a few times, filled with myself, but... Uh, pretty much because it wasn't all new to me. Uh, When they said, uh, we're all going to go get alligator shoes now, I said, I'm not, unless they've got golf spikes on the bottom. Uh, Well, it's going to be part of the corporate uniform. I said, not for me. I was raised properly. People who are raised by men who are raised properly don't wear alligator shoes unless they got golf spikes in them. And then we're going to go get diamond pinky rings. Oh, yuck. And I said, no, thank you. Are you, you going to be in the mafia? That's, I mean, yeah. Yeah. that's where my mind immediately went, oh, geez, mafia and, you know, real cream hair and just yuck. Well, I was able to avoid all of that and not get pulled too far off track. Well, good for you. So, 
And I love your stories. I really do. It, and I can hear one and then hear it again a year later and go, oh, I remember that. They're just such terrific stories. But that led you to where we are today. You know, we're talking mm-hmm. about the closers part two and how to cash in on snafus. And I love that title, snafus, because boy, do we all run into them. I hit three of them yesterday before noon. <laughs> I'm so used to them, I hit them all day long and don't even take note anymore. And for you older people who were in the service, yes, we cleaned it up. It's situation normal. Um, uh, What do we say? All fouled up. Yeah, well, it's another F word now, but yeah. (laughs) That wasn't the original version, but uh, since they're going to happen, you might as well learn how to deal with them. And in that chapter, uh, it's only a page and a half. Let me read some of it in case they don't have their books with them. And if you don't have your books with you, get them. The closers parts one and two, they're the hymnals that we teach from here. Uh, cash in on snafus. You must know your competition as well as you know your own products and services. This constant em- emphasis is usually designed to prepare you for selling against a competitor's lower prices different quality, faster shipping, uh, customer service, etc. Snap who's selling from the paraphrase World War II saying situation normal all fouled up is a side benefit of that knowledge, a bonus, if you will. In order to learn as much about your competitors' products and services as you know about your own, you're obviously going to have to generate a great deal of inside information about them. This means you'll have to know not only what you're up against, but who you're up against and how they're performing. Um, the uh, one top sales person we know studies not only his competi- competition at the local level, he owns at least one share of stock in every publicly held competitor he sells against. This one uh, share, this one share puts him on the stockholders list, giving him direct access to a blizzard information about his rivals, material his customers would probably never see uh, without his help. Now, in addition to straight competitive day-to-day selling, he has additional ammunition others don't have. This gives him uh, opportunities to go after the weak spots in the competitor's soft underbelly, whether it's local, regional, national, or international, uh, probably whether it is a local blah 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 or international problem the competition is having, you can rest assured his customers will hear about it at the appropriate moment. Understand he isn't selling negatively or knocking his competition. He operates as a third-party counselor when he sells, an expert, a source of industry information. In fact, he also frequently shares good information about his competition about his competition with his customers. He says he finds the extra tool of inside information, especially effective in cracking open new accounts he hasn't been able to get into before. And in expanding expanding business with his customers who've been giving him only token business in the past. And of course, in maintaining those customers who already regard him as an expert in the field, because his advanced, in-depth knowledge of the current and future events 
simply confirms his position uh, in, as an authority. Hang on, only two more paragraphs. During a particular sales presentation, his customer was beating him up about uh, beating him about the head and shoulders because of his product's pricing. The customer ranted and raved that XYZ company listed virtually the same product at a price 17% lower than his. His response, he said, well, frankly, uh, speaking, that price is totally irrelevant. That gave his friend the opening, and in, in, uh, he needed to point out that the competitor had just lost a major supplier of their raw material and faced a long and bitter strike at their manufacturing plant. The point being, they weren't going to be able to supply the product at any price. The 17% differential was, therefore, meaningless. How did he know this? His stockbroker had given him a sell recommendation for the one share of stock he held, and the recommendation came with a complete explanation as to why he should sell. How's that for having a leg up on the competition? That snafu selling at its best. And do you want to know the punchline? Not only did he get the business at the higher price, he's kept it because of the competitor's sales. The competitor salesman wasn't able to share this important inside information about his own company for another three weeks. Why? He simply didn't know about it. Oh, no. So watch for snafus, then spring into action while the wound is still fresh and bleeding. The, uh, there's a, another thing. I think it's a separate chapter in the book somewhere, but I'll use it here. I have it recommended to auto dealers and, and other people, but auto dealers always come to mind when I hear about recalls. I've recommended to uh, some of my auto dealer clients and some a couple of the manufacturers to create, make up a recall situation, which will drive people to your dealership to get that thing either fixed or checked out. And while they're there. Is that honest? I'm confused. I beg your pardon? Is that honest? I mean, is there really a recall? Well, it's a, it, yeah, it, it gets up against the borderline, but you don't tell them there's something wrong. Uh, you tell them there might be something wrong. and okay. they, just, they just want to check the, right. the widget and make sure it's functioning properly. But it gets them into the dealership, which while the car's in the service bay gives them, what do you do when you're in a dealership? You wander around, look at new cars. Yeah, and you check, you know, you have them check oil and, you know, yeah. hire stuff. And yeah, yeah, I get it. Okay. So Lee Iacocca rebuilt the Chrysler Corporation using that technique. Oh. Uh, Chrysler was always having problems uh, with some gadget on the car, they said. And uh, <coughs> pardon me, because it got, I should have told your listeners early, I was judged positive for COVID uh, this morning. So if I sound a little scratchy or cough a few times, I apologize. Anyway, uh, the uh, it gives them gets them in the dealership, as I've told friends of mine who are building churches, trying to drive up membership. Uh, I say this lovingly to them. Sometimes a, a minister will will get into the heavy stuff right off the bat. You know, Jonah was uh, swallowed by the whale. Well, the whale's throat is about the size of a baseball. 
So it'd be interesting to see how that was done, but it makes a beautiful story, drives home a point, and gives them word pictures to think about. But I used to tell my pastor friends, save the crazy stuff until I get them in the tent. Well, and that makes sense. I mean, if yeah. you, you go in too hard to have in us, sales, people do this all the time. Right. Uh, you know, our spidey sense starts tingling. We're like, mm, I don't know about this. And we stop listening. We really do. Yeah. If you're, I'm ever seeing things on television, <laughs> pardon me, commercials and so on, where they start out with a lie. And, uh, that's obvious it wasn't necessary but they start out with a lie and uh, uh, I, I tune off since you'll lie to me in the first two or three sentences of your commercial uh, I don't need to hear the rest of it because what I've now discovered is you're a liar if you've got a good product that does something for me because <laughs> that's all the customer wants to know what's in it for me if you've got a good product or service that does something positive for me, tell me about it. If you can make it funny or lighthearted, fine. But just tell me about it. You don't have to lie. We have a guy here in the Sacramento area who's on television. I leave the news on all the time, so I'm forever seeing him or hearing him in the background. The first 10 callers get fill in the blank. I think it's a free air conditioning check or something, uh, which is interesting is I've heard it hundreds of times and I don't even know what he's selling because I tune out when he said, he even said, used to say, uh, this isn't a sales gimmick. The, only, <laughs> <laughs> the first Sorry. 10 callers. Sure it's yes, it is a sales gimmick, <laughs> a bad one. Uh, so the uh, just treat them fairly squarely decently be up front tell them the truth if you have a built-in objection bring it up first and brag about it there's one running i don't know if it's national or not but it's for aarp the, i forget what that stands for but re retired people <laughs> excuse me the american association of retired people i think and their management is left leaning yeah very much <laughs> Yeah, and uh, they're trying to get free stuff all the time for their members at the expense of the rest of us and uh, so on. So, But their commercial is great. <laughs> Pardon me. If you have a built-in objection, bring it up first and brag about it. They are saying in this commercial, I don't agree with everything AARP does, but when it comes to Medicare alternatives or whatever, uh, they are the best. So don't tune me out because I'm talking about AARP. I know about half of you don't like AARP, but it's to your advantage to take it, to uh, uh, avail yourself of this thing that they offer. You don't have to sign up. You don't have to take the pledge. Uh, you don't have to march around in circles. <laughs> but on on this one thing, they really know what they're doing. And there's a great example of, as soon as I saw his AARP, I said, well, I'm not really interested in anything I have. I've been a member for years because <laughs> I fall for the fact that we get to, all the benefits they offer at restaurants. We don't have any of those restaurants except for Denny's. 
and we get a 10 percent discount huh is denny's even a real restaurant i mean yeah. i was in there one time many years ago and i didn't eat the salad there's a bunch of us i didn't eat the salad everybody else was sick for two days i don't know why <laughs> salad because well, i love salad but i was in a mood i just i didn't want to be in denny's i didn't want to be with these people i wasn't happy i'm not sure i even ate anything and just drank tea but i didn't get sick but i remember that you know they tried to kill everybody in my party so there's <laughs> that well the uh, great example we know a young couple who uh, owned the local Den denny's franchise and I overheard them talking about something one day. Of, oh, they were looking for a house, but they didn't know who they could trust. I said, I know who I know who you can trust. And I called my friend, got them on the phone together, and they bought a $375,000 house about a week later from yep. him. So uh, I'm very fond of these people. Gigi <laughs> shares your uh, distrust of Denny's. <laughs> so it was bad. And we were traveling. Yeah. We were in hotels, motels, actually, and paper thin walls. I knew everybody was sick. I could hear it. I could smell it. Oh. I, finally, I kept saying, oh my God, oh my God. I probably I should have just left. I should have gone somewhere else, but I was you know riding with somebody yeah. else. That was a long time ago. And I, I never put myself in a position after that of not having my own vehicle. Yeah. So there were lessons learned. Thank you, Danny's. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we were talking a, a bit ago, and I'm not going to keep you very long because I know you're struggling with your voice you're about spotting trends and opportunities. And I've shared this with you before, and I'll share it again because you're talking about commercials. Years ago, when I still had TV, which I can't even tell you how long ago that was, it was local TV, and I cut cable in 2010, I think. So I, I am not treated to commercials, which is a good thing because I don't have much patience for them. Excuse me. Now I'm coughing. But there was this one commercial that would pop up and I would literally run across the house to go watch this guy. And he was a big, kind of a homely man, not not good looking at all. And he wore a bright red jacket and he made these huge arm you know gestures and he was a tire place they're still in business and in a cage and cage and cage and you could barely understand him and his thing was you may not want tires you may not you know know what was it he said and i can't remember the whole spiel but basically what he would say is <laughs> tired you know about tires they ain't purdy but you gotta have them well duh. <laughs> <laughs> and i'll never forget this guy they ain't purdy <laughs> have them. I mean, how do you beat that competition? Yeah. That's excellent. No, Ben, listen, I am not going to keep you because I know you're struggling with that. And I'm praying that you don't have COVID and that you just have the usual September crap that everybody seems to be, you know. I was telling you in the green room, I talked to three of our friends today and yesterday, and all three of them have the crud. So I'm going to go with you don't have COVID, you just have the crud. <laughs> that's, I, that's I hope so, but the, the COVID test that Gigi ran and got was positive. How is she doing? She, so far, so good. She's. I've noticed she doesn't spend a lot of time in the same room I'm in. No, really? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. Listen, so we, we all win. Yeah, well, just... 
settle in and take good care of yourself today. But before we say goodbye, I would like to remind our audience to be sure to look for us in iTunes and anywhere else you consume your business podcast. The truth is you cannot throw a stick on the internet without hitting your partner in success radio. So find us and take us along on your success journey. Ben, go drink some tea and get some rest. Thank you very much. I appreciate your sensitivity. <laughs> I was going to try and get out of it without coughing again, but it uh, didn't work out. But I appreciate it. I appreciate our listeners and uh, look forward to working with all of you next week when I will be 100% cured. There you go. I believe that. Go forth. Love you. Love you, dude. Bye.